This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. This is a technology show. Honestly. I think that's what we started with last week, although last time we sang it. Uh, with me over there, I've got Sean Priest. Hello, Sean. Well, you say sang it. I mean, that's debatable. We quibble over turns. But hello, it's good to be here. I think we're going to be on Canada's Got Talent any day. <laughs> Tim Schwartz is over here. He's our baritone. How are you, Tim? I'm doing well, Stephen. How are you? How are you, Sean? Oh, very bassy. Didn't like yeah. that at all. Too macho. I know, he's, he's got such a good voice. It's quite annoying, actually, isn't it? You're so jealous. Don't be jealous. Well, listen, you're the actual singer, I think, amongst us. You actually do sing. I technically have sung and do sing, yes. That is a factual statement. So can we throw Sean under the bus already? What? In this episode. Yeah, because you know last week, right? Last week, Whoa, Tim, whoa, whoa. No, hang on. Last week, right? We did the introduction. We all sang. We all did our... Um, Double tap and all that carry on. I, I, I nearly lost my voice singing that along. That time with that. it was actually in tune. Why couldn't you do that last week? Yeah, I think I was the only one in tune last week. Continue, Stephen. Well, we get to the end of the recording. We all sit down, and suddenly we get we get to the show, and the introduction has been changed. Well, yes, for the better. You're welcome. Uh, well, uh, hang on. <laughs> It was changed, and do you know what? At the last bit where uh, our good friend Sean sings, it's a tech show, honestly. And we weren't even invited to. He completely left us out, Stephen. He didn't want us involved. He wanted the the limelight, spotlight all to himself. Yeah, but did you notice the beautiful harmonies in Mm -hmm. that last Mm -hmm. verse, though? I mean, you would have just ruined it, you two. Yeah, it was like Taylor Swift at work, wasn't it? It was (laughs) utterly incredible. Well, and what annoyed me the most was when you um, double recorded your voice, Sean, my wife heard it, and she truly thought that it was you and I singing that together. She didn't realize it wasn't me until I pointed it out. Oh, what did you wear? Hang on, hang on, Tim. What about me? No, we knew it wasn't you. <laughs> well, she she could tell that it was only two voices. She knew it wasn't three voices. Well, I'm a, I must have cloth ears when it comes to that. Cause I well, heard... she studied music as well, so she's... Oh, oh. studied music. Yeah, I've, I've been to a music well, store. Well, I say I've that studied she, music. she studied music, but, but her degree is in criminal justice, so don't mess with her there. But. Well, actually, do you know I can maybe speak to her after the show about something, if that's possible. The singing uh, detective. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Because someone I want to find. Um, right, look. <laughs> She's uh, the one to ask, but that's all I'll say for It's a Mr. Tim Cook. If you could find him, that'd oh. be amazing. Uh, right, anyway, look, this is a tech show, honestly. Uh, that is going to be our new line, I think, every week now. Um, and uh, we've got a special guest on this week. Well, assuming he's still here after that introduction, uh, Jeff Thompson's from Blind Abilities. Good to have you here, Jeff. It's great to be here. Oh, he's singing! Oh, that was amazing. You see, that's what it's like when you get professionals involved. Well done. Yeah, who's that? Oh, Jeff, Jeff. I see. No. Right, oh yeah, hi, Jeff. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Um, so you're from Blind Abilities, um, and you uh, have been reporting on a lot of the conventions that have been happening recently, in particular the National Federation of the Blind Convention, is that right? Yes, Las Vegas, Nevada was the 2019 convention. It was pretty awesome. It was in a big hotel. All the big people were there. It was just kind of cool. Big people were there. What was that? Well, the, the big players, you know. <laughs> now, we're not talking double X or anything. Oh, right, I'm talking right. 
We had Microsoft. We had Google was there. Threw that in there for you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. That's good of you. <laughs> now, Tim uh, implied recently, and I think it was the last episode, that the conferences were nothing more than a love fest. Can you confirm or deny that, Jeff? Wait, wait, wait. Before Jeff answers that, I didn't say they were nothing more than a love fest. I just said that it's been implied to me that uh-huh. there is a love fest going on on the side. So that, yeah, that, that's you, what Sean. I was saying. So anyway, continue, Sorry. Jeff, please. A love fest. I don't know where to go with that, but... You cannot confirm nor deny personally? Is that what you're trying to say? Okay, it is a love fest. Okay. Ah, let's book those tickets. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yes. But you see... I- I went with my wife. Oh, good for you. Yeah. What goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> can I, can I yeah. just tell you something, Jeff? I'm a good friend of mine is a PR guy for National Federation of the Blind. He is going to be hating this conversation right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Might get some more tickets. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, you never know. Maybe this maybe this might up the, the numbers for next year. But uh, anyway, this is a tech show, honestly. Um, so let's uh, let's focus on the tech side of it. So what did you find that was interesting, Jeff? I was really excited about the IRA announcements that came out, and it's perplexing what really was said. And, you know, some of it is that you're going to get IRA for free coming up. There will be a new tier added to it. Now, what that means is maybe a few minutes, maybe three calls, maybe two calls. We don't know yet. They're kind of stringing it on, just like they're stringing on the next iteration of the Bose frames, the glasses, horizons. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but. It's exciting to see the partnership that they do have going with Bose. I want to go back to the free tier because Tim did mention the uh, free minutes announcement last week, I think. And I said, I'm not a fan of it. I know that's surprising because I live off everything that's free, NVDA or whatever else. Be my eyes. I love that stuff. But I just think, isn't it getting a little bit confusing now with the IRA? They seem to be throwing so much at it. It's almost like the Google of uh, of this sort of service sector. You know, they're just throwing services at you all the time. The, the all-access, um, no, they call it IRA access, don't they, where you get free uh, service mm-hmm. in airports and things like that. And then you got, how many tiers is there now? Is it three tiers? I believe right now it's three tiers. you got the 300, the two, wow. 199 or something like that, and then you have the introductory plan. And we don't know where these free minutes are going to come into that what sort of tier, if it's going to be across the board, which I assume it would be, or a certain tier. We don't know any of those details yet, do we? No, I heard it's going to be available to everybody to use some of the free time. So whether that means that even if you have a plan, you're allotted so much, it just seems right that everybody gets the goodies, you know, so. And the little bit that they did say, Jeff, it's supposed to be either like you said, either a limited amount of minutes per day, maybe a certain amount of phone calls for quick and easy around the house kind of things. Maybe, for instance, things you might use Be My Eyes for, and they didn't say this. Of course, they wouldn't, but I almost feel like this is a shot across the bow of Be My Eyes to say, you know what? They're offering this for free where you can get a volunteer that'll help you for just a few minutes on an easy task around the house. Well, we're just going to add maybe a few minutes or or a couple calls where you can do that for free every day, in addition to your regular subscription of how many minutes you get. That that seemed to be what what they're talking about doing here, right, Jeff? I I think so a little bit. I don't I don't know if it's a shot across the bow for be my eyes, but I think it's uh, or just a way enti- to be competitive, maybe. Yeah, but it's enticing to plant the seeds and you know people they start to use it and then they find something else to use it for or they. 
you know, want to expand or they really like it. So I think it's a, it's like a free trial period all the time for people to give it a shot. And, you know, especially those IRA access points, like at the hotel, there's a lot of people using them. They had 2,000 calls in one day. That's pretty impressive. For agents. Yeah, Yeah. that's pretty big. I mean, it's clearly a service that is well used, well enjoyed. I mean, Tim, you you still have IRA. You, I, I, I guess you still really enjoy using it? I do, and I don't know that I've spoken with anybody who doesn't enjoy using it, and that may be another part of this free idea is the more that you use it, whether it's a trial period, whether it's you're subscribing but you get a few minutes a day for free, the more a person uses it, the more they may find that they like it and want to continue using it and not cancel their subscription. So that might be part of the mindset here as well. But yeah, the the service itself, they're so good. The The way that they train their agents is so good. And I've always been very impressed with the service that they provide. Um, let's talk a bit about that, that Bose partnership that you mentioned, because we, we touched on this last week, and I know it came from your reporting from the event. You actually had heard them discuss this, although it's, it's very vague, isn't it? I mean, this kind of vagueness that's, that seems to be around this, this partnership and what it actually means. Do, do you think Ira are just pushing out these these sort of ideas of what essentially what the art of the possible is? Because, of course, at the moment we've got Bose AR frames. Tim loves them, by the way. And I want I them. I do. I, know, I want a pair of these things, and I'm really close to buying them. I just have to find a way of getting the, the bill past my wife. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I love the idea. And I want glasses or cameras in my glasses. I do. Uh, because I think for Ira, you know, for, for Tim and for, for you guys who've, who, in, in the States and in Canada and in other countries that can get Ira, that's brilliant. What I'm thinking about, though, Sean, is be my eyes. Um, all of that. So, you know, even if it is just a, a kind of a, a shot in the dark of what the possibilities are, great. Jeff, you know, I, I know that Ira and Bose talked about their partnerships, but what I'm really interested in is what your thoughts are on perhaps that overall conversation about cameras and glasses. Like Apple, do you think they're going to bring them out next year? Apple is talking about um, some AR type of glasses. So that's a possibility. Now, if, if I don't, I, I actually don't think Bose is actually going to make the whole glasses. I think it's a combination of a partnership because otherwise, why wouldn't be my eyes grab them glasses from Bose then? I mean, I don't, I think the partnership mm-hmm. is to make something unique that comes from the product line of Ira that doesn't just, you know, that would be a shot above the bow of be my eyes got the glasses as well. It would, but wouldn't that be fantastic? I mean, just having some third party separate glasses that you could connect to any smartphone and use as an external camera. They would work with any app. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? That would be great. But for a second, let's let's go back to the Iron Bose partnership. Let's forget about possible future versions for now. The current version of the AR frames, they have the the, the speakers built in, right? They're like bone conduction. Um, they fire it directly into your ear so you can still hear the environment. That's great for us. Fantastic. But the actual AR segment of it, the sensors, accelerometer, so it knows which way you're looking and everything... What does that bring to Ira? Because they're using the phone anyway and using the the sensors on that. So I don't understand this current partnership anyway. Well, one of the benefits of having the sensors in there, the agent can actually look at their dashboard and tell which way the glasses are facing. So if you come to a stoplight and you know they have the video that they're going by, but they can tell that the person's looking left, they might just be able to quickly say, 
Okay, turn your head to the right, and there's the uh, buzzer, the chirper, the uh, audio pedestrian signal. Yeah. Let's cross there. So they can actually tell which way they're doing. And, you know, GPS, what it does have a range of 30 feet sometimes. I think that with that type of information, they can tell they're moving. They can tell. So there's lots of other stuff, you know. I mean, Bose is putting this out through an initiative of $50 million for a lot of companies to use this stuff and come up with better ways of doing it. And Ira took advantage of that. And now this partnership, we don't know exactly what's coming out, but it sure is teasing. Oh, yeah, I can totally see this being a additional aid, if you like, to something like GPS, you know, more precise which way you're facing. But I don't know. I just think the AR portion of the Bose frames, I'm not entirely sure what it brings to the table when it comes to the Ira experience. But hey, we'll wait and see. As you said, Ira, um, they are very teasing. <laughs> um, look, I know we could talk about this all day, um, but I think I'd, I'd like to look at some of the other things that were going on and perhaps more exciting than uh, the IRA announcements. I, I would say maybe probably head and shoulders above were the announcements, or not so much announcements, but the experiences of autonomous vehicles, Jeff, at uh, the convention this year. Yeah, and one of the things is they put a poker chip under six chairs <gasps> so they could use the autonomous vehicle to return to the hotel. I didn't get one of those poker chips, but Aww. no, I didn't. But I went out and talked to the guy that represents the company that provides the autonomous cars for Lyft. So only in Vegas is it legal to have autonomous cars that you can, when I opened up my Lyft app, I had to say, yes, I'm okay with all the, you know, the same stuff you tap on when you open up update your apple device or something yes. you just agree i agree i agree to anything <laughs> do what you like with me yeah if my autonomous car drives off a cliff then fine I'm okay whatever with it, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was a neat thing i, I was curious about it. so i talked to him i got a little bit of audio from him and asked him well what happens when you get to the place how do you get out and he quickly said that's where ira comes in you get out and there you go yeah so in in vegas they have to have an operator in the vehicle at all times, though. So there is someone there, which is great for people that do use it. They can talk and get questions and answers because everyone's probably in awe of how to do it. And I asked the question, that, like, from the Lyft app, do you then put your destination in there? Can you communicate with the car once, you know, these operators are out of the picture? That'd be, it's going to be interesting where this goes because it's really cool. It was really cool to be right next to a BMW 3, I think it was, Series 3. But didn't they also say, Jeff, that along with this Lyft partnership, when the operators are gone, there may be other things in the vehicle for the blind? I don't know if I read that there'd be Braille or some sort of uh, other things available for the blind to, to be able to, to navigate within the vehicle. What, what was that about? I didn't I didn't catch on to all that. The guy was a little vague about it and he was just trying to, you know, give us a good overall sensation. I mean, people were asking how does it know it's running out of gas? That wasn't one of my questions that I was concerned about. <laughs> Isn't it about. electric? Doesn't yeah, have gas. Well, this one Oh, this one did. Oh, this, this, it's a, it's a 2018. But the the next iteration that they're coming out with is going to be the electric cars. So yeah. Yeah, I don't trust them. I don't, you know, and here's the thing. Uh, I, I had a, a, a one of these uh, robot vacuums for a while. Amazing. Oh, no, no, it was terrible. I, I remember I came in, I fell over it because it was in the hallway, 
had fallen over. And do you know what it was doing? It was trying to get itself back to the charging base before it died. It was trying to run you over. Yeah. <laughs> Even the vacuum hates you, Stephen. Everything hates me, even the technology. Um, listen, uh, let's talk a bit about, just briefly, uh, let's talk about some of the other things uh, that happened, because there was a lot of announcements there, Jeff, that you uh, were privy to. And uh, APH, the Ameri- American Printing House for the Blind, uh, they were partnering with Microsoft and Humanware. What's that all about? Well, Microsoft came up with Code Jumper, and it's a little device. If you just picture, say you had, let's use lemons, and they connect together. Each lemon or these objects they have, you could program a certain piece of code into it. And then when that connects up to the next one, so you get this train, kind of a chain connection, you can write a program. And it was really cool. So that was called Code Jumper, and it's geared to teaching elementary school students code. So I thought that was really good that APH, you know, they only had a, a table there, but they it was jam-packed with these devices. And then, like with Humanware, they have the Braille Trail 14, which is a reader, a Braille reader. And for $9.99, I believe it is, it gets kids involved in learning Braille, using Braille, taking notes. It doesn't have a computer basically built into it, but it does pair up with your phone. And that's kind of the iteration off their Brilliant 14, but it's it's red, I guess. So um, they're working with other companies. They did have a color uh identifier it was 449 dollars though so i thought what? wow mm. no no yes. no hang on though hang on though i have yet to find a color identifier that's really reliable let's put it that way they're all a bit hit and miss <laughs> i find it depends on the lighting conditions and of course it must be really difficult to get a, a true image of the, what that color is so perhaps this is fantastic for that money or perhaps it's terrible i don't know well i think for that money i'd kind of want it to be you know <laughs> Identifying colors that no one can see. Uh, that's a lot of money for a color detector. Um, so that's that's really interesting. Uh, some more uh, technology news uh, also from Google uh, because they were demoing the Lookout app, I believe. I thought that was really cool. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I was going to. They had the Pixel Three, but that you know, on their table, you could feel they had bananas, oranges, boxes of stuff. You know, I was like looking for devices and I happened upon that table. I said, would you like a demonstration? I said, are we shopping? (laughs) And then he turned on the, I think it was using a Pixel 3. I'm not sure which one it was, but he went through the app, showed me, gave me the demonstration of it and I was paying attention to it. And it was really pretty good. It it went right across. There, There was no hiccups. It worked. And you know, I have, I don't know, seven, eight different apps that do certain parts of this and do other things, object recognition and all that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. But it was mm-hmm. it was pretty good. It was like, I, I'm just really glad that Google is doing this type of technology and keeping up with the rest of the groups out there that are doing this stuff. So it's neat when you see a company as big as Google paying attention or just being at the convention. That gives you a lot of confidence that, you know, something can come of this more. So can I quickly ask, um, for people that don't know, what does the Lookout app do? Because I know it's changed since its initial demo. Um, it would tell you that there's an object at, say, 1 o'clock or, or 3 o'clock, you know. But has that changed now? Does it still do that same thing, tell you where the objects are in relationship to where you're looking? Yeah, and that was their kind of like their scene detection. And... You know, it, it was so fast, and he was doing all the demonstration stuff like that. I didn't get to break it all down, but 
I was I was you know out of all the apps I have that do that I put it up there in number one or two. It was that <gasps> seeing yeah. AI. That's the king at the moment. Well, this was a little different. The lookout is a little different. It's I don't know. It's it was just really cool to see that they're doing it. It would be nice to sit down and compare the two. I I believe the app's available. In the US, I believe, currently. Not sure about Canada or the UK. No, it's not available anywhere else. Only in America. Tim. (laughs) Haha, well, I don't have an Android device, and I don't think it's available on iOS. No, because Tim's a sensible person. I am a sensible person with my iPhone. Okay, let's leave that there. (laughs) Um, We talked earlier, Jeff, about Ira, Be My Eyes, also uh, hitting a record number of volunteers. Oh, yeah. 2.5 million across wow. the world. I mean, they're going to run out of people to <laughs> become volunteers. We need more blind people. <laughs> well, actually, that's one of the things, isn't it? There's actually a significant lack of blind people using the app compared to the number of people willing to volunteer their time, which is interesting. Well, it does, you know, anybody can be busy at any time, you know, at work or something, they're not going to pick up the phone. So I think with that type of percentage uh, that those numbers 2.5 million and then they have over 140,000 users of the app at any given time one thing i was talking to alexander christian and will from be my eyes that the neat thing is say you want to speak say you're in france but it's really late at night you can connect up to canada quebec and get your answers yeah connected you know or like Australia, all the way to England or South Africa, you know. But it's English. That's you, they pretty much got that covered, I guess. Yeah, you haven't been to Scotland, have you, Jeff? <laughs> They're still working on the English in Scotland. I understand. No, I think this is this is really good to have this many volunteers, Jeff. And from from what I remember, Hans Weiberg, be uh, my eyes, said probably six eight months ago when it was a little fewer number than this especially in the popular or more widespread languages like English or French or things like that, the wait time is probably less than 30 seconds to a minute to get connected to a volunteer. Yeah, it. they were talking about it. It's even come down a little bit. And, you know, Hans has done a good job since you know, 2012 when he thought of it and 2015 when they came out with it. And just from CSUN, they had a 25% growth in number of volunteers. So Wow. I just like the the viral how it's going around the awareness that it has brought to at least 2.5 million people about blindness. Yeah, it's a pretty incredible app if if I'm honest, and I do use it a, a lot of the time. Um, I just want to ask you a bit about two blind brothers. Uh, you and Tim um, got a little bit groupy about these two. Um, so you know, first of all, tell those of us who don't know what two blind brothers are, um, what they are, and what they were doing at the convention. Well, Brian and Brad, it's the first time I've seen them at a convention. I was kind of, you know, excited that they were there and, you know, in the blindness community. Um, A a while back, they went into a store and they each got help to find some shirts. And when they got out of the store, they said that they got, they bought the same exact shirt and it was because of the feel. So they started a company, put it wheels in motion and they went on to Ellen DeGeneres show and it blew up their server basically because of all the attention they got. And from there, they've gotten, you know, a lot of spotlights, a lot of articles done on them. Uh, They both have star guards and they've used, I believe it's national industries for the blind and some other affiliates to produce the products. And 
They have a website, twoblindbrothers.com, where you can order these shirts, and they use puffy paint on the sleeve to put the word feel in Braille. And then down on the down by the waistline at the tail end of the shirt, it'll say the color of the shirt, like gray or white or red or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it, it was interesting to finally meet him because I've heard the stories. I I've, I've, I've saw the Elegy Generous show that one time, and it was like, oh, they're here. Who are they, you know? Yeah, it was really neat. I thought I'd bought some of the, this, these products when, you, when we were talking about them just before we started. I thought I'd bought some of these because I've got a T-shirt that in Braille says "Get Lost," um, <laughs> and I, I did that deliberately. Uh, got it on Amazon, um, and I thought the first person that comes up and slaps me across the face, I will know uh, can read Braille from afar. Now, um, are you sure it says "lost"? <laughs> it's definitely two words. Definitely two words. I at least hope and the second one is probably a four-letter word like lost, but no. yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, it, it sounds like it's been a brilliant convention in Las Vegas for the NFB. Uh, next year, they're in Houston, and the American Council for the Blind are going to be in Chicago next year. So um, which one are you going to go to, Jeff? I actually kind of interested in Chicago. It's... Uh closer and might might be able <laughs> i was gonna say that's a lot closer okay. for you yeah great pizza but you know i might oh. bring a at some of these at the acb i did a convention where i actually had a table and it was held in minneapolis so that would be fun again to kind of do that but that kind of locks you at one spot during the whole exhibits and the wife doesn't want to stand behind there while i go and talk to everybody else so <laughs> it's interesting it's close enough to actually have that opportunity and chicago's a pretty nice town yeah Exactly. Well, uh, listen, it's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming on, sharing your thoughts on the convention. And uh, stay with us. Come back again soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Been great. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Stick around. We've got lots more to talk about, your comments to come. And finally, guys, my review on the Sunu Band. It's coming up. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. This is Double Tap, and uh, welcome back. It is Stephen here, along with Tim and Sean. It was great to have Jeff on, guys. It was good to hear what he had to say about the events uh, at the conventions. Always very interesting to know what's going on there. And uh, also, if you want to check out audio recordings from the National Federation of the Blind Conference or convention, they, they love to call it a convention. I always used to get shouted at about that. It's a convention. It's not a conference. Um, what's the difference? Then in that case, what? What's the difference? I, how do I know? Okay. I don't know. Apparently there's a difference. But Thanks I don't for clearing know. that up for me. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. I, I, I don't know. I was just told not to say it. So, um, yeah. So uh, check out the Blind Abilities podcast. There's an app as well. Just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. And search for Blind Abilities to get lots more. Uh, coming up, I'm going to review the Sunu Band. Guys, I promised I would do this. Yeah, well done. You've delivered. Yeah, you're going to fulfill on a promise. Well done, Stephen. I'm, I, I know. I could not be a politician. Um, because I'm actually going to fulfill a promise. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get to that. But I want to get to some of your comments first because uh, you guys are more important. Not you two, but the listener. It's far more important than uh, any of us. So let's get, to, <laughs> let's get to our first comment. This is one I believe we have to be very quiet uh, because uh, Dora, uh, Dora Speck, has been in touch with us regarding an issue that she had. Um, I think it was to do with her credit card and iTunes. She was having problems removing the credit card from iTunes. She got in touch with us, but she, she was very quiet because she recorded this in the evening when everyone else was sleeping. So, Dora, how did you get on? 
Hey guys, this is in response to my debit card dilemma that I had. I was able to remove it once I unsubscribed from Apple Music and iCloud storage because I had upgraded my iCloud storage so that I had more room and I subscribed to Apple Music as well so I had to remove both of those before I can actually remove my debit card and after I was able to add funds from my debit card to my Apple ID so you can do that um, you can actually use that without having to add an iTunes card I mean you, that adding iTunes cards is a thing but adding funds directly from your debit card also works and then you can just remove your debit card and you just use the funds that you've added to your account to subscribe to Apple Music and buy more iCloud storage. So I hope that helps. Well, and that's the, oh, I guess I don't have to whisper anymore. Yeah, that's the thing there, Doris. She's absolutely right. Um, you can load money on or load iTunes cards, but if you're already paying for a service like Apple Music, they're not going to want you to remove your card because they want something on file to pay for that monthly service. So once she loaded the money into her account, then of course that was enough to cover her, her Apple Music and anything else that might be subscribed to and she could remove it. I've spoken to some people who do just use iTunes cards to pay for any apps or services, subscriptions, anything like that. You don't necessarily have to have a credit card on file. So yeah, that that was, I think, the thing that was tripping her up uh, when she contacted us before, is that there were services that wanted to be paid for, and without loading anything, that, that wasn't going to work to take off the card. But you didn't say that last time. <laughs> Because I didn't realize that that was what was the uh, crux of her problem last time. Now I understand. Oh, <laughs> now he understands. Now, now, he too, like, right. now, now she's told him the answer. He gets it. Yeah. I have to be led to the water and then thrown <laughs> in to drink. Yes. Well, uh, I'm glad you got it sorted out. And, uh, you know, that's that's good. That's that's interesting. I mean, that's you're right. Apple don't want to give up money. Um, but I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize no. you would have to unsubscribe to all the services first, which seems... I guess it makes sense, obviously. And and I, I, I'm i like you. I know, I know a lot of people who do that iTunes card thing. I used to do that as well. And and one of the things I love about the iTunes cards is if you scratch off the little panel at the back, you just hold it up to the phone and it will scan the code in. That was one of the things that always used to yeah. concern me a bit about them. How would you get the card authenticated into the account? And it works really well. They even thought about that, and that even works in an accessible fashion, which is pretty yeah, smart. Yeah, it does. Um, so glad you got that sorted, Dora. I hope you got a good night's sleep as well. Do you know, i tell you something. If you were crinkling paper at the same time, I'd have thought that was ASMR. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Uh, right, let's get to another con- uh, comment from one of our listeners. Uh, this is Michael, who's been back in touch with us. Sean, Stephen, Tim, it's Michael here. And I'm calling out of beautiful Oregon on the beautiful Oregon coast. Interesting how technology brings the entire world together. And that's kind of the subject that I want to bring to you guys' attention. As world-famous podcasters, individuals podcasting around the world, I hope you guys will have this answer. Ooh, who's he talking about? That is, you guys have been having an interesting discussion about IRA in the UK. And I've this is not the first tool or service that I have heard of this happening. And obviously... To Sean and Stephen, this is not the first tool you guys have experienced happen. Why is it that tech companies have so much difficulty with producing a product for the U.S. market, for example, and unable to push that product to Canada or to the U.K.? 
and it could be that I don't know anything about regulations and I'm just some weird, crazy, blind person who who just thinks it should be super easy. But I'm wondering, do any of you guys actually legitimately know the reason why this might be? Uh, what prevents companies from being able to expand into the UK? Or what prevents a app developer from writing an app that's specifically going to work on iOS or Android and pushing it to one of the English-speaking alternative country app stores? Uh, most especially if it's like free, like a free app. I've seen that happen too. I'm wondering what the logistics behind that is. Now, one other question for you guys. This one is aimed at you, Stephen. Uh -oh. uh, hopefully you'll be able to show it to us. What in the heck are you talking about running image recognition with Narrator? I just got a Surface Book Pro 2. I don't remember. Uh, Surface Book is what we'll call it with Windows 10. And I'm interested in this because I am a JAWS user. Uh, I use JAWS on a regular basis, most especially at work. Yeah. And I'm editing audio in Reaper, uh, producing for a company that owns eight different radio stations, corporate America. Anyways, uh, <laughs> and I'm wondering about this image feature because uh, it could help me make our websites a lot more accessible probably without bothering someone. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, because, hmm, here's something to be aware of. Because of the images not being accessible, maybe I could use Ira to assist me with that. And here's something else for those of you who have access to Ira. Uh, if you weren't aware of it, the job-seeking feature was also announced for free for all explorers. It used to be that if you were trying to find a job or trying to get a job, you could leverage IRA if you were a paying customer and get access to uh, their free tier to be able to uh, go clothes shopping, for example, to get clothes for your job interview or get assistance into the building when you're going in for a job interview or help you with your resume. However, now, this might be a little confusing at times, but now all explorers, including those who are guest explorers, can leverage the job-seeking feature of IRA. Um, anyways, that's what I got for you guys. Oh, Tim, real quick, thank you for the clarification. I did not feel the smile in your voice, but I understand. And, yeah, I have no experience with lower-end Android devices. Now, Here's one other thing about Android while we're talking about. It. You know, there's TalkBack on Android, and then there's that other screen reader. Any of you ever heard of a commentary? And uh, who, that, that's made by a company in China. And then uh, MobileSpeak. I don't know if they're still around, but they were a screen reader on Android, too. Just to add a little to the confusion. Hope you're all doing well. Appreciate the amazing content. Thank you, Michael. It is an absolute joy getting a message from you. It really is. Um, thank you for calling in on the number, and uh, we'll give that number again at the end of the show if you want to add your comments. Um, there's a lot in that to unpack, uh, so uh, let's get started. Um, first of all, why do we think that companies are not moving their products into other countries or putting apps into other app stores, say, in Canada or the UK or Australia or wherever? What do we think the reasons are for that, Tim? 
Yeah, as fellow weird and crazy blind people, as Michael said, and, and Michael, you're welcome, but there was a smile in my voice, as there always is. You know, I, I think what Michael said is actually exactly the case. It's regulations, it's it's all kinds of laws and, and regulations, and just a lot of red tape, unfortunately, I think, to, to get from one uh, country to another. There's a lot of different rules, a lot of different things that even Apple has to follow when they go from one country to another as far as rules. Some app stores in different com- countries have different rules, even though it's all Apple. And so to put an app in those stores, there's sometimes some red tape around that. Apps, you would think, like Michael said, would be a lot easier, especially if they're if they're English-specific apps. You would think that would be a lot easier just to drop it in the store uh, of choice around the world. Products, I think, is the bigger thing because there's shipping and regulations and, and there, there's different ways of testing those products. And some countries might say, well, that, that may not be safe for whatever reason or another, or we need to check it or safety check. So I, I think that that's a lot of it, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the UK, for example, with products coming in from other countries, they need to be certified. Um, European standards mark, although by the time this right. uh, episode goes out, we, we may indeed not be part of Europe or indeed Earth uh, in the UK. <laughs> I don't quite know where we're going. Um, so who knows? Um, but I, I do think that it's it's interesting, but you're right. There are so many le- regulations and legislation around how products move, and it is probably harder to get products around than it is apps. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I agree, though. I think it's something that's getting a bit annoying um, because, you know, it's a global society, and when it is a free app that's doing good work for blind people, um, then I can, I can see why. Although, actually, interestingly, on the point about uh, apps in other countries, um, there was a good reason why some apps were not available, like uh, especially identification apps, because they relied on libraries of images that would be available, and they would have U.S. libraries, but they hadn't built U.K. libraries by that point. So, you know, you could be identifying, I mean, a dog is a dog from one country to another, but cereal uh, is going to be different in Canada to maybe the States and definitely the U.K., so you need to have different images in the image bank for it to understand what it's looking at. And all that has to be built up over time. So I guess that's partly a reason as well. Um, narrator and uh, Jaws and Image, uh, my, my question that he aimed at me. Um, thank you, Michael. Um, I, uh, I'm i going to do a review on this next week, actually, because th- this is a very interesting question you brought up, because what you're talking about here is the image uh, recognition feature. And, Sean, we, uh, you know, because we've been talking about this a lot, about narrators kind of seeing AI built-in image recognition um, and the new Picture Smart, which is available on JAWS 2019. And both of these essentially can take an image, like a meme on Facebook, and identify sort of what the image is um, and tell you what the text is that's written on it. And that sounds quite good, doesn't it, Sean? Well, we've had that ability to OCR an image, you know, recognize any text in an image. We've had that for a while. I've been playing with the NVDA version NVDA key plus R oh, you just will love recognize NVDA. any image. I do, I do. I just think, well, you know, I was watching a YouTube video and it had some subtitles had come up and I didn't have a clue. So I just paused it, did a NVDR key plus R and it just read them out. It was amazing. But all the screen readers have some sort of functionality to that as well. But this new one and uh, you and Tim have been banging on about how great narrators get in and it's, it's yes. inclusion of like the seeing mm-hmm. AI functionality for being able to actually describe a photo, a smiling person, you know, sat here, sat where, wherever. 
that feature of description of a photo is something that's pretty new. The Jaws feature, and as you mentioned, Narrator using the Seeing AI engine to do that. That is cool. I'm not entirely convinced how useful that is, to be honest. Most of the time, it's just, you know, here's someone smiling. Well, I can sort of guess that, or it's a picture of a dog. How useful is that, really? Mm. Well, uh, next week, I'm going to do a review. I'm going to do a side-by-side. I'll take an image, and uh, we'll decide together what that image is. And then we will put it to the test. Uh, obviously, we need to know what's in the image first. Um, so yes. we'll need to get that sorted out. But, uh, yeah, we'll get that done. We'll have to use IRA or be my eyes to figure out what's the image is exactly. first. Exactly. Yes. Use the tools that are around us to do that. So, yeah. Um, and uh, commentary and mobile speak. I've heard of mobile speak. Never commentary. That's interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, these are ones we can we can look at. I, I Part, I kind of want to say I don't think mobile speaks around anymore, but I don't know if that's true, so don't quote me on it. Yeah, um, Sean's no. the one with his new love affair of Android. He yeah, should have come on, Sean. right at hand, right, Sean? Oh, well, thanks, Tim. Throw me under that bus. Um, You're I, welcome. I, I do not know. Um, well, yeah, look, that's the beauty of Android, isn't it? You know, third-party customization. So, yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah, you, you can screw check- it up in nine different ways. Yes, rather than just, all right, yeah, stop it. So I'll actually check them out. I will go into the Play Store and see if they're there. But you know what? Talkback is working so well. I don't really see the the need to look elsewhere. Maybe one of the others is better. Maybe maybe it brings something Talkback doesn't, Sean. Don't be so dismissive. Okay, I'll look into it. Jeez. Blimey. Right, let's get to our final call this week. (laughs) Graham Langford's on the line. Hi, Graham. Hi, this is Graham Langford from Markham, Ontario. Um, I was interested about the Bose frames, and the only issue I would have with those, and I thought I would just mention it, is that the full charge battery life is only three and a half hours. So if you add a camera onto those frames, it's obviously going to be less. Mm. But another issue is three and a half hours. Uh, that would easily get used up in a day if you were using them to listen to audio books. And a lithium battery has about 800 cycles of life. So those glasses would only last about two years or a little over two years. What do you do then? Um, there's something worth thinking about is uh, because I contacted Bose and they hadn't even thought about this yet, but did think that there may be a trade-in price because the batteries were not replaceable, not by the uh, and consumer anyway. Well, Graham, interesting question. I guess the person we have to turn to for this is Tim because he's got a pair of Bose AR frames. So three and a half hours battery life. I'll be honest, every time I get excited about these glasses, I kind of forget that fact <laughs> that it doesn't have a huge battery life. But you've been using them. Um, what's the reality of that battery life? Is it, is, is it good to be used all day or can it be used in that way? It depends on your overall usage. Graham's right. If you're listening to audiobooks or music or as I've done, I've actually worn them in the house on the sofa to watch a movie on Netflix. And I can get through that three and a half, maybe four hours, watch a couple movies or binge watch four, three or four episodes of a TV show, you know, hour long shows, listen to music. And yeah, it probably is about three and a half to four hours. However, if I'm not doing that and I'm just wearing the Bose frames out and about, I'm using it to, using them to listen to voiceover, to do things on my phone, check my mail my messages, you know, things like that. I actually get a lot more than four hours. I, I don't, I don't want to put an exact number, but 
six plus, probably seven plus hours. And that's usually what you get out of, out of most Bluetooth devices nowadays anyway, but that's just using voiceover for majority of that time or all that time. And then minimal use of music or other things. So yeah, I think that is a concern that Bose needs to look at going into the future that Maybe they can have you trade them in and get a, a reduced price on a newer model, because if it does last a couple of years, like Graham said, well, that's a lot of product cycles nowadays, two to three years. And Bose probably wants you to buy another pair in two to three years anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that next, said, yeah. yeah, exactly. So so th they will, I'm sure, have some sort of tr uh, trade in or I would hope they do. And I will be happy to do that to get another set that has a better battery. And if it adds a camera or whatever other features they add, uh, all the better. So I, I, about, I still well, like well, it as a product. I still like what it does and no, offers. Oh, I can't but, bear it. No. Okay, go for it, Sean. What, Why would you problem? be happy to trade in? This is terrible. This whole non-replaceable For a battery. better quality device, for better, no, no, I don't well, know, audio, for don't. a camera. Let's, let's just say... You know, that the, there's not a, a huge in, uh, improvement in whatever next version they bring out. And you say, you know what, I'm quite happy with these. But the batteries run out. Those batteries should be replaced by the manufacturer for a, a minimal cost. Um, I, I think it's terrible, it, these non-replaceable batteries throw away culture. I want to save the planet. I am a green warrior, as oh, you all know. Oh, stop your eco-warrior nonsense. I think this is disgusting. Sure you are. No, yeah. my, my point is, though, Sean, that if, <laughs> if in two years the battery has died and I'm happy with that version and I don't want to get a newer version... I would want the option to just trade them in for a minimal or no cost for the same thing I've already got. No. What I was happy to trade in it, trade, what I was happy to trade them in for. Don't, don't let, would, don't let him bother you with this because honestly, well, I am with you on this. I'm I'd, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for an upgrade. Yeah. yeah, but what happens to the old dead battery version? Well, we they just get turned them into in new a, glasses. A landfill. That's Bose's no, problem. That's not my problem. Not, I send it to them. It's all our problem, Tim. We live on this planet. It's all our problem. <laughs> Are you suggesting that they, a turtle is going to be wearing <laughs> Tim's glasses at some point? Yes, yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. Well, then it'll help its eyes. <sighs> okay. Uh, look, so I was talking to Jeff uh, <laughs> before, and he was using his Ira glasses during the NFB convention, and he was saying, you know, the, the stated time is, as Tim rightfully said, three and a half hours, but he his lasted throughout the day just using it as um, voiceover access on his phone. Um, so but I think three and a half hours is actually quick, pr pretty a decent amount of time to get out of these glasses. The more important question for me is how long do they take to charge again? Not very long. I, I would say half hour, 45 minutes tops. Not very that, long. For me, I think that's pretty good. Yep. Graham, thanks so much for getting in touch and to everyone who called in as well. If you want to email us, you can feedback at ami.ca. You can also call on 1-866-509-4545. Leave us a message. Let us know that it's okay to play it out on air, and we will do so. Um, before we go, I have something to tell you about, and that is a product that I have purchased and I want to share my thoughts on with you, and that is the Sunu Band. I thought I'd pop outside of the studio today to show you how the Sunu Band actually works. It is... Quite an incredible device, actually, and um, it works, I think, pretty well. And I'll explain how it works and maybe why it might be something you might be interested in. So, essentially what it is, 
is it's an oversized watch. That's how I would describe it. It's a bit larger than your average watch, perhaps. Um, and you wear it rather comfortably around the wrist. And on it, you'll find a flat pad, which is actually a touch pad, and a little, almost what feels like a cap, or a small round chocolate. <laughs> it's maybe how I would describe it. Um, and it's, it's quite neat, actually. I, I kind of make the joke sometimes it's like wearing an inhaler. That's maybe true as well. Um, but it's, it's really good. And what you do is you, you wrap it around your wrist, you, you strap it on, and the little cap I'm talking about, it's like a little silver cap, that has to run in line with your thumb. And what happens is that when you wear it, by the time you put your hand down or your wrist down by the side of your body, it's essentially looking out. It's looking out in front. And the idea is that when you wear this watch, that this little cap is always facing straight. So that then gives you, or gives it, the ability to see what's in front of you. And it does that through sonar technology or echolocation. It's the same thing that the dolphins use. And um, essentially what happens is it will look ahead using this sonar and it will determine what's in front of you as much as how far it is away from you. So it's not going to tell you what's in front of you, but it will tell you that it's a reasonable distance away. So it gives you that information and that feedback in vibration form. It will vibrate when you are uh, near or getting near something, you'll start to feel a pulse, short vibrations. As you get nearer, those vibrations will pick up a little bit. And then as you become almost on top of something, you will get a solid vibration sound. So my beautiful assistant is going to walk in front of me now. If you, if, yeah, if you could just walk in front of me. And you'll hear, hopefully over this noise, you'll hear that pulse beginning. Now, if, if you could start walking towards me. There you go. You're starting to feel that vibration a bit more. And if I, if you could just come forward a bit more, yet you'll hear it now. It's a solid vibration I'm getting on my wrist. So that's telling me that my beautiful assistant here is right up close to me. Now, you think about that from a, a mobility point of view. If you're walking along a street, maybe you're following someone and they're in front of you, you don't want to be walking into them. Or if someone is in front of you in a town centre and you happen to be walking along, you don't want to be walking into them either. So that's where this technology comes in. And it's really, really good for that. Now, the way it works is it has two buttons that are on the watch, on the right-hand side of the watch. And you'll feel one just beside the big toothpaste cap, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, and that is the on button. And when you're using the device, you'll learn that that's also the menu button. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, there's also another button, which is further up. And what that does is it changes modes. Now, this, in what I would call sonar mode, gives you two options. You've got indoor mode and outdoor mode. Now, I'm outdoor at the moment, so I've got it set to outdoor mode. Now, what that means is that it has a larger range, so it can determine what's ahead of you before you get to it. 
The other thing is, in outdoor mode, it's actually much more prominent. The haptic feedback, the vibration is much more prominent on your wrist, which is a good thing when you're out and about because you could be distracted by other things. You may be using a white cane. You may have a guide dog, lots of things going on. Having that feedback more prominent is good. Indoor mode, slightly less prominent, but more than enough. So those two buttons are there. On top, I mentioned a touchpad. And the way that works is it actually gives you the ability to use apps, uh, such as, simple one, telling the time. After all, it is a watch. Uh, and what you do is you download an app to your iPhone or your Android device called Sunu. When you download that, it actually puts an, a voice to the watch. It gives the watch a voice. So you'll notice that when you actually touch the, the watch, the phone will start speaking like this. 16 hours. So what I've done there is I've just swiped up on the band, on the little touchpad, and that's told me what hour it is. Uh, now if I swipe down... 29 minutes. And that is coming from the phone, which I think is brilliant because if you think about it, if you've got headphones on that are connected to your phone, that means your watch is talking through your phone to your headphones as well. No need for two pairs of headphones, no need to change Bluetooth settings, all that nonsense. It just works. I really do like that feature. But there are more things you can do with this. You can add apps to help, for example, find local locations like a, a cash machine or a cafe or a business of some kind. It's all built into the Sunu app and it's something which gives you a lot more independence. So essentially you get three devices in one here. You get a smartwatch, you get an ability to use sonar technology to help you get from A to B using this uh, guidance system, if you like, and you also get a navigational aid to help you find locations as well. And I think it's really good for that. So my thoughts are, this is a really interesting device. I will say it takes a lot of patience to get used to it, but take the time and it may pay off. Speak to Sunu, see if you can get a loan of one for a while. If you know someone who's got one, try it out. Don't jump in and buy it right away. Make sure you're comfortable with, with it first. But I think it is definitely something which I would consider to be a brilliant companion for a visually impaired person who's using a cane or a guide dog. But it's not a replacement for either. Right, I'm going to use the watch now and I'm going to get myself back to the studio. And I made it back alive. Uh, yes, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> piece of kit, guys. I am quite impressed by it. Yeah, it sounds nice. And... Um, yeah, you know, I I think that the, the buzzing is good, the vibrations are strong. I love that thing that it's got where it's got the indoor and outdoor mode um, and the outdoor mode gives you more prominence with the haptic feedback. Yep. I think that's really, really good because that makes a lot of sense when you're outside. Inside, you wouldn't maybe want it to be quite as intense as that. <laughs> yes. I like the thought of those things. Um, so yeah, really good. Really good. Uh, you can get it for 395 if you're looking for it in Canada, 395 Canadian. Uh, it is uh, available from Canadian Assistive Technology and, of course, directly from Sunuband themselves. That's in the States. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back again next week at the same time, if AMI will have us. And uh, until then, uh, to Sean and Tim, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. And remember and keep in touch. Feedback at ami.ca or call one 509 4545 to leave a message. Catch you next time, guys. 
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.